Now, I want to again thank you, as I mentioned just this morning, for the uh, birthday greetings and tell you how much I was impressed about those uh, cards and letters and, and uh, uh, greetings of other kinds that you sent us. Now, I want to thank every one of you because I sincerely mean it. I read every, one, every word that was written, I read. It took me a long time to read nearly 3,000, but I read them. And I observed them. I studied them out of my years of experience in studying mental processes and why people say what they say and how they say it. All of which we are able to evaluate the feeling back of the cards or back of the word of greeting that may have come some other way. Now, I was convinced as never before that the overwhelming majority of these students are sold on what Bob Jones University stands for. Now, young people, listen to me just a moment. You do not understand, you're not supposed to understand, at your age in life, uh, the great problems with which some of us have had to deal over many years. You just can't know. Uh, you've almost got to trust somebody to tell you. You've got to find somebody that has been over the road, that's had experience, and listen to what he has to say to you. If I never knew before that Bob Jones University was right in its emphasis, I would know from reading those cards. And if I never knew before that I'd been right in the messages I'd been bringing here this year, I'd know from reading those cards I was right. You know, I was tremendously impressed how you responded to certain things that we said in certain positions we took. And how you said they'd meant so much to you. You know, I'd like to sometime give a little lecture talk here on hands. I read those cards and greetings and I said, now all of these folks wrote with the hands all hands are fundamentally the same. Sometimes you'll find an abnormal hand, maybe occasionally, once very rarely, you'll find a person with maybe six fingers. That doesn't happen often. Fundamentally, all hands are made just exactly alike. Fundamentally. Uh, fundamentally, all human beings are just exactly alike. Doesn't matter where they live, what may be their surroundings. Fundamentally, they are alike all over the world. Whether they're white or black or brown or yellow, educated or not educated. They're fundamentally like, but they're different. And I thought about it. I said, now, all of these nearly 3,000 people at Rotors have fundamentally the same type hands. But uh, they're different hands. They don't, any of them, two of them have the same thumbprint. If you take a thumbprint of everyone wrote me, there'd be nearly 3,000 different thumbprints. I kept thinking about that. Now, I said, some of these hands are the hands of an artistic temperament. That's fine. And I pray, God, let these folks use these artistic gifts for thy glory. Then I said, some of these people are business hands. They are blunt driving people. I said, oh, Lord, help them to use whatever gifts they have for God. And I said, help them to get the training. Now, you know, you have to train a baby to use his hands. They're very awkward at first. They have to train. Now, you know, a hand stands what you do, say you. Uh, it's what you do. We talk about in the hands of God. Uh, you hold with your hands. You operate with your hands. All that kind of situation. And I said to myself, now, if we can train these young people at Bob Jones University in this day of crisis, and it is a day of crisis, it's getting more serious every moment you breathe. I said, if we can train them under God in Bob Jones University to use whatever hand of influence and power they have, then I'll have enough for which to praise God even in heaven. Now, we are very eager that we, uh, you folks keep on keeping on following the emphasis we're giving here. 
You know, uh, people are looking here for leadership. The religious folks that are. One of the boys told me this morning about a preacher. They'd call one of Bob Jones' preacher boys to a certain church. And they said, we hope we can keep them. But said, you know, these Bob Jones boys are in such demand, I don't know if we'll be able to keep them long enough. And somebody said, well, now, you know, uh, everything isn't bad. Uh, they're knowing about it. They, they're knowing it. More and more, there are things that encourage us. But the more we are encouraged, the harder the devil fights. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I'm reading some verses from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Another parable spake he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which uh, sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, now you notice the first is a man sowed. And here in this verse it says, while men slept, becomes plural. I want you to remember that, I'll try to get back to it. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. He flew in and flew out. You know, you don't have to stay long to do harm sometimes. Hurt somebody. You know, I often think of that verse, one sinner destroys much good, neutralizes, brings to naught much good. One bad boy or bad girl or bad man or bad woman in a high school or a college can neutralize the good influence of a dozen good people. One bad in a good setup can bring to naught the influence sometimes of a dozen good people. All right, we go ahead. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Always the thing will show up. Sooner or later. So the servants of the household came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy has done this. An enemy. An enemy has done it. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? He said, It's too late. The harm's done. But he said, Nay, lest while we gather up the tares, ye root up the wheat with them. You know, young people, listen. I know some schools in America that are were really spiritual at one time, but they are not spiritual anymore. And I'm sympathetic with them. They cannot solve their problem. They have an incurable situation. The president of a great school told me that one day. Said, suppose we tried to clean house, what would happen to us? What would happen if we tried to clean? We couldn't do it. Well, that's scriptural. The situation gets where there's nothing to be done about. He said, let both go together unto the harvest. And the time of harvest, I will say the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them. But to gather wheat into my bone. The day of reckoning is coming. We can't do anything now. And that condition is prevailing in this country, in many churches, many institutions, and some theological seminaries. They have an incurable setup. And it'll have to go on like it is now until the Lord comes and the harvest time takes place. I want you to notice especially these words. But while the man slept, a man sowed seed, while the man slept, 
You know, I wonder if this farmer had somebody, a group of men, looking out for his business, or whether it's a general expression while everybody was sleeping. In other words, there wasn't anybody watching. Or maybe somebody that should have been watching wasn't watching. The man must have been a good fellow, this farmer. He was a trusting man. You know, good people, they're inclined to trust people. You know, a man that won't trust anybody is crooked. A man that says everybody has his price means I'm for sale. A man that says everybody preaches for money, that's what he'd preach for if he is preaching. He doesn't trust anybody. But good people are inclined to trust folks. That's human nature. You don't bother anybody else. You run your own business. And you're just inclined to just trust people go on about your business. You know, if I've ever made any mistakes in my life, and the Lord knows I've made many of them, I never made a mistake because I didn't trust somebody. I made my mistakes from trusting people. The harm that I've had to suffer in life has never come because I didn't trust people. I have been a very trusting man. But you know, when you move into the spiritual realm, there's certain things you've got to learn. You've got to realize that the flesh cannot be trusted. And it's perfectly scriptural not to trust the flesh. Having no confidence in the flesh, that's a Bible standard. Somebody said, wouldn't you trust me? Not if you lean on the flesh, I would. I wouldn't trust anybody that leans on the arm of the flesh because it cannot be trusted. The flesh isn't trustworthy and we're told not to trust the flesh. The flesh is the man in the role. It's the man as he is. It's a natural man. You don't trust that. When I was a young man, I just said, I have confidence in everybody. But you know, as the years have piled up and things have happened to me, I've learned that you can't trust folks who are not trustworthy. You trust a thief, he'll steal. You trust a liar, he'll lie. You trust a murderer, he'll kill somebody. And the folks that want to be trusted are the most unreliable people in the world. The folks that don't want to be watched want to do something. You know, they want to do something and get away with it, and they don't want to be watched. You know, many women, as a Christian, you are supposed to be watched. You're a light bearer. You'd let your light shine. Say, look at me. Look at me. You're supposed to be watched as a Christian. You're the light of the world. You're my witnesses. You watch a witness. Man on the witness stand, I've sat there and watched him. I've observed him. And I've heard the lawyer say, Your Honor, did you notice that man on the stand a while ago? You notice how restless he was? You notice how he moved around? You notice he couldn't look at us? You know I asked him that question? You know how evasive he was? Your Honor, gentlemen of the jury, did you watch this fellow? A witness is supposed to be watched. If you don't want to be watched, you'll never be a good witness because there's something you want to cover up. Good men, good women, uncompromising Christians, out and out for God, want their light to shine, and they want to be witnesses. Now, we just face that. But now, folks that don't want to be watched are up to something. Now, you know, it would have been so much better if this man that sowed that wheat 
had stayed up that night and watched it. It had been far better to have somebody watch it and see there were no tires sold than it would have been for all the neighborhood to see. And when wheat time came, you couldn't put up the tires and all of it together. It's far better for a Christian institution to be on the alert, to keep watching, than it is to trust people and someday wake up with a hopeless situation. Well, I know Christian schools supported in this country where they have strife, fighting, conditions, anarchy, fussing the faculty, fussing the student body, fuss between the faculty and the students, divisions in the board meetings, fussing, 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 a thing that didn't have to happen and wouldn't have happened if somebody had stayed awake when he all stayed awake. Suppose I'd have gone over that night and said, Mister, wake up here. Wake up, mister. You sowed some wheat out, John, and I saw an enemy of yours in there sowing tears. Get up and stop it. Oh, he just said, you know, he's a good neighbor. You know, I think he's just a nice man. And I'm just too rotten lazy and too sleepy to get up. And you just go on now. You don't have to worry about him. He's all right. That kind of attitude has sent schools to hell all over this country. It's damned Christian churches. It's wrecked Christian pulpits. It's debauched spiritual theological seminaries. And they wake up when it's too late. I had an article the other day sent me by a man, a prominent lame in the South, about a certain institution in this country, one of their own denominational schools. I read it. He said what they were teaching there. The most blighty, damning, rotten, hellish philosophy in the world. And the newspaper, the church paper, called attention to it. They can't do anything about it. It's too late. I have never known in America an apostate education institution that ever was saved by anybody. And there's never been an apostate church that was ever saved on this country. They had to move out and start another one, or build a new school, set up a new organization. They get in such a fix they cannot save themselves. And nobody can save them. And all this effort people make in this country to try to cure an incurable situation is, according to this parable, a waste of time. Nothing you can do about it. They're gone. They're hopeless. Good folks in them? Yeah. Same people in them? Yes. Some little good? Yes. Some weak lads. Do a little good. But Jesus Christ said it's so hopeless. If you try to pull up the tires, you'll even wreck that little wheat there. Isn't that a pathetic situation? You know, if I were up in heaven, and that kind of condition ever developed in the school that I founded, I think it'd take the joy of heaven out of my heart. Young people, you wrote me on this trip and said, Dr. Bob, you and Dr. Bob Jr., keep it like it is. We're back of you. We appreciate it. All right. You help us.
You help us. Some of them said we hope to have families of our own someday. Won't you keep it like this? All right. Don't go to sleep on us. Don't go to sleep while your roommate damns a girl in your room or damns a boy in the room. Don't go to sleep. Stay awake. Stay awake. And you are going to have to stay awake because our enemy is the worst enemy that anybody ever had. He was the enemy of Jesus Christ. He's the devil. He hates with what they call a purple passion. Every gospel church. He's putting on their trouble and strife and friction and spitting in this our own day schools wide open and blighting and damning and destroying and dividing. Now I imagine that this enemy of this man didn't claim to be an enemy. I've often wondered why he put those tares in there. It may be that he was jealous of that fellow's farm. It may be he said, you know, that man's the best farmer in this country. He doesn't follow all the standards of farming, but he sure does have a good farm. And he always makes a lot of wheat. And I just don't like it. He's just a better farmer than we are. Jealousy, jealousy, jealousy. You know, there are thousands of people in this country can't explain Bob Jones University. We didn't follow the rules that they laid down. We didn't join the association they set up. We set up a mourner's bench and hired good teachers. Made some simple practical rules and built a new plan. Jealousy. Jealousy. I'll venture the assertion that this man didn't really realize that the fellow sold the tires was any. If he had, he'd have been watching it. I imagine if he'd have been a real enemy, and this man had known he was an enemy, and known he was tricky and mean and everything like that. I imagine that he would have sat up at night with a shotgun and protected his wheat. But he said, no use, because, say, oh, you mean old devil. You know, everybody that ever gave us trouble in Bob Jones University, with two or three or four exceptions, drooled piety. Just drooled, like a baby drooled. They were so pious. That's what the devil does. Transforms himself into an angel of light. You wouldn't know the devil if you saw him today. You think the devil is a pitchforked, forked hoof monster with a tail. That's the comic opera picture of the devil. Don't you get that slant on him. If the devil appeared on this platform today, he would come the most charming and irresistible angel you ever saw. He'd appear here, light, beautiful. This room would all light up. Jesus said, I saw him as lightning. Cast out of him. When he came down, it was like a flash of lightning. Not darkness. If he came here today, he is a prince of darkness. But he can change himself into an angel of light. And if he walked out on this platform today, he would start off being orthodox.
he would say, I congratulate you on this lovely institution here that stands for the Bible. You're to be congratulated. I congratulate you on the teachers and these lovely young people here. And he'd go on and love this, and we'd go out of here all so-so. And then he'd probably slip around a classroom and say, you know, uh, this place is all right. But there are other good places, too. That's nothing new. We know that. We've known that all the time. He'd say, you know, uh, I really think there probably, if we had a little more liberty, a little less restraint, or he would probably quote Dr. Fosdick and say that great man, Dr. Fosdick, said so-and-so. Or he would probably inject something else in a little subtle sort of way. And then he's, what's the reaction? And if he saw a disgruntled person, he'd take him off to one side and say, well, I'm sorry. If I were running it, it would be different. You haven't had the right deal, I know, but... Just be patient and take it and do your hardness. Put up with the trouble. Old man Bob will be dead before long. Baby Bob Jr. won't be quite so hard, boy. Just be patient. They mean well, say. And just be nice and sweet. And, and you know, they're always just harping on the same thing. And, but of course, you know, I believe what they do. And they are really doing some good. That's the worst satanic propaganda on God Almighty's earth. Whenever a Bible teacher or a Bible preacher takes your side, stands up for your testimony and says, yes, but they never say that. They magnify the big thing. In my recent meeting, there was a man in that town, a religious leader, Went around the town, and he's outstanding too, young fellow. And he was criticizing little nothings. And I said to somebody, you know what's the matter with that fellow? What? I said, he isn't right. No man that's right will put his finger on little things when God Almighty is pouring out his power and conviction and conversion of sin. You can always watch the day before I left there, that fellow came to me and said, I've been a hypocrite. I got up before day and I stayed on my knees with God and I'm all right. And this is the greatest meeting I ever saw. He had his arms around sinners, taking them in. Lead them to the prayer room. Another fellow preaching the town. Nice fellow, too. He said, you know, I'm evangelistic, but... Sinners are going to the prayer room. People being converted. Power of God there. Say, you know, I'm in the prayer. I'm, I hope the meeting will do some good, but, but. I said, that's a backslidden preacher. You see, they can't fool me, not me. I've given this medicine out so long. I said, he's backslidden. He's an egotistical upstart. And the chairman said, you know, he hasn't been consulted as much as he'd like to be. We did neglect him, but we didn't intend it. One day I was in my room, the hotel, the phone rang. He said, can I come up and see you? I said, yes. 
He said, I want to get right with God, old man. Listen, listen. No real spiritually minded Christian in the world ever magnifies little things when God's doing big things. You can test yourself, Bob. Devil, that's the devil's method. The devil in the Garden of Eden picked out one tree. And there may have been 10,000 of them. And said, you can't do that. That's the devil's system. I don't want you young people to be ignorant of the devil's devices and don't be fooled. He used to fool me. And I don't want you to be fooled. When you get out, young fella, and get to be pastor of a church... There's one person you want to know, and that's his majesty, the devil. And you want to know his methods. You know, he wasn't an angel like that night in the field. If this farmer had met him next day, he'd have said, Oh, neighbor, I'm so glad to see you. I've been just delighted. By the way, I've been looking over your farm. You have a wonderful farm. He was not an angel of light the night he sold those tales. He's an angel of light when he met the neighbor. The devil is not an angel of light when he does his dirty work. He pretends to be, but isn't. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the king of darkness. And I want you young people to go out in Bob Jones University and say, much a part of your Christian education... To know the devil's strategy it is to know something about how the Holy Ghost works. And no man has a Christian education that doesn't know the strategy of the devil while he slept. Listen, if you go to sleep spiritually, he'll put something in you. If you take your home for granted spiritually, he'll put something in your home. If you take your church for granted spiritually... He'll sow some tares there. And it may be the most orthodox church in the world. An institution, an education institution that calls itself Christian, that sits down and thinks everything's right, everything's fine. The devil will slip in. Now, you know, the thing that impressed me was this. You wrote me, most of you, while I was gone. Most of you, a big percentage of you said, Dr. Bob, those chapel messages you gave have changed my life. They've done more for me than anything you've ever said. I'll let you in on this. I prayed God to give me a series before, for the first this year. I sensed some dangers this year, and I'm still sensing. I sensed the mental attitude of teachers. Executives and students. You could blindfold me after 52 years as an evangelist and put me in any place in the world. I can tell by whether you look up or look down or how you look or your response. I couldn't years ago. Now, you know what messages like I've been giving you will do? It'll do two things. It runs off everybody you ought to get rid of. You don't have to run them all. Just keep pouring it in. And the folks that have got something in them will build moral backbone and be able to stand. You remember the last message I gave here before I left, a practical message? 
that to be perfectly frank with you, I think it's the best chapel message I've ever given. I've never given it before. I think God gave it to me. Do you know what happened? I had more people to talk about that message when I said, if it don't work, don't eat. Practical aspects of Christianity. No sane person could object to that. But one person went into the dining room and was rallying mad by that message. You know what God did for us? <laughs> we shot in a hole and something came out and left that we didn't want it. Now, this is scriptural, too. You want to straighten out a situation? If I were pastor of a church and I had a bad church, and, but had enough folks to keep me there, I'd just sit in and preach the bad ones out. They won't stay there if you keep pouring in. They'll get right or leave. So we made up our mind through the years to come, God helping us. We're going to use this psychology we've never used in Bob Jones University. It builds Christian morale, sends folks out worth having. It lets them know when the devil's around. And it does something else for them. There are folks that ought not to be here that are going to be a curse sometime. And maybe were disgruntled before they came in some other place. I've never had a teacher in Bob Jones University who was disgruntled. There wasn't disgruntled place he left. You never saw a student disgruntled. It wasn't disgruntled at home. But what we want to do more and more, and we're planning for this year as never before, is to build the most wonderful Christian morale we've ever built. And eliminate every influence in this school or on the campus that might lower spiritual morale. And this institution is in the best spiritual shape the best condition it's ever been in in every particular. I read those cards and letters and sat there and cried like a baby. And I said, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that we were right and the thing worked. Now, young people, it's your responsibility to stay awake. Teachers, it's while the man slept. There wasn't anybody awake. If you, a soldier, sleeps at the post of duty when he's on guard, somebody may come by and get in behind the soldiers and capture an army. This wide awake business is the responsibility of every student and every faculty in this school. And you can't be wide awake and will not be wide awake and the devil won't let you be wide awake unless you're in absolute sympathy, not only with the orthodoxy, for the evangelical emphasis and the discipline and standards of this school. You will not stay awake unless you are. God, give us folks that won't go to sleep when they ought to be awake. We pray this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.